You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Two games last night at halftime, three-point difference. Two games, four-point difference. Some great basketball last night and a couple of surprises. Welcome to the program. Welcome to a Friday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. And yes, it is a meat Friday. In case you're wondering, skirt steak tacos, Mexican rice, who has it better than we do? No. No. Thank you. Poll question, play of the day, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming. Say good morning. Good morning to Peacock, our streaming partner, and also our great radio affiliates around the country. Gonzaga goes down in flames, been a number one seed for the last five years, but uh, there's no championship to show for it. This year, no different. They were surprised by Arkansas last night. And Gonzaga's come a long, long way as a program because it used to be we didn't talk about Gonzaga until we got to March. And then it'd be, man, they did it again. And there'd always be one or two guys that might play in the NBA. It was always the place where John Stockton played. But then you'd get guys like Dan Dickow and you go, all right, Adam Morrison. It was a cute program, a underdog program. They're not underdogs anymore. Now they're a blue blood. And you had Jalen Suggs, a lottery pick last season. Chet Holmgren looks like he's going to be a top five pick. He's destined to be an Orlando Magic, but uh, there's no national title there. And now you might be questioning, if you can't win the last two years, are you going to get over the hump? This is an elite program. you got a Hall of Fame coach. And if there's one thing Gonzaga's taught us over the last 20 years, it's to never underestimate that small school in the state of Washington. But here is Mark Few after Gonzaga loses to Arkansas. You know, we started this year number one, and we were the only one that could hang on to it. Everybody else kept falling off every two weeks, and and my guys held it and held it till the uh, bitter end and did a good job taking everybody's best shots. So I think after a week or so, we'll be able to look back. It's just it's hard. We're not used to losing in this this round over these last four or five years. We've been able to advance past this round and, and keep it going, so I think we're a little bit in shock. I know we give too much credit, too much blame to the coach, but when it comes to these games, you invest in that coach. And I know it sounds like I'm sliding Mark Few. Eric Musselman can coach with anybody in the country. And that's why I said Arkansas was a nine-and-a-half-point underdog, and I said they could win this game. Here is Eric Musselman talking about everybody saying Arkansas had no chance. We believe, you know, nobody else did. We put it up on our screen every single meal. Thank you to everybody that said we had no chance. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, use it as motivation. He probably didn't use my quote where he says, everybody says we have no chance. Well, Dan Patrick said we have a chance. But he's just saying that because he's friends with my wife. It'd be great if he shouted me out. But I worked with Daniel Sargent, his wife, at uh, the Mothership. Always rooting for Arkansas. Yeah, that's right, Dad. <laughs> this is the third time in tournament history multiple number one seeds lost on the same day in the Sweet 16 or earlier. Last time was March of 1995. Arizona goes down in flames. Uh, Villanova looked good. Houston, got to give them a lot of credit because I knew it was going to be a slugfest. Kelvin Sampson did a great job with Houston this year. Duke, you know, that's one of those... They're playing Texas Tech. Like, if you're going to go out, if Coach K doesn't go to the national title game, I don't want him going out late at night against Texas Tech. No offense, but Texas Tech, unless Bob Knight was still coaching there, 
But, you know, you're like, come on. Or even Chris Beard, but he's now in Texas. Uh, Sweet 16 tonight, St. Peter's versus Purdue, Providence versus Kansas, North Carolina, UCLA, Iowa State, and Miami. You know, there's no pressure on me today. My brackets, they're done. Nothing to see here because I had Arizona and Gonzaga meeting for the national championship. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Yes, Paulie. Dan, if your bracket is dead, mine is already buried and in the casket and <laughs> under the ground. That's mine. This program brought to you by Discover. Real credit card questions require real people. Somebody who understands your issues, works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based reps available 24-7. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Poll question today, Seton O'Connor. We got a couple options from Paulie here that are fun. By the way, Seton, now I'm not on social media, but Seton yesterday addressed a topic on social media where I don't know how many people suggest suggested that this show is scripted. And I thought, <laughs> how could we possibly script this? And if we did script it, I can assure you we would script other parts better than, yes. than we do now. Now, I, I, I'm going to show you that if you're watching on Peacock... This is it. I mean, I, I. This is what our rundown is. That's all it is. Yeah, the rundown I, we put together in the morning is almost childlike. It, it's the very bare bones basic. Yeah. Our show. I, when Seton posted this the other day, I thought I thought he was kind of joking. We're the opposite of rehearsed, and we actually try to talk as little as possible. Prepare, not prepare, but save it for the show. Yes. I want to react naturally. Just like you as a member of the audience. Like, can I script Todd can't get through his S's? Yes. But there are people who think that that is scripted. There are people who think that, like, uh, oh my God. Yeah, good. Relying on too many scripted bits right now. Ryan scripted, uh, like Jeff in Detroit <laughs> scripted. Uh, and you're like, dude, what? Wouldn't we write better scripts for them? <laughs> then, <laughs> like, or wouldn't we try to hire better script writers then? Like, we don't have a big staff here, but Jeff in Detroit calls in. I don't know what he's talking about. Believe Ryan or not, this is all off the top of our heads. <laughs> Damn. Thank you. I mean, you gave us a lot of credit there. We do prepare, but I don't know sometimes what we're talking about or when we're talking about it, and neither do the Danettes, but... I uh, I was surprised that people thought that it was scripted. Now, there are shows that I know are scripted, and we're not like that. Yes, Paul? Also, the concept of scripting three hours, that's probably like 100 pages of content. I remember there was a host who filled in for you once, yeah. about 15, eh, 12 years ago. He's on, gone on to a great career, and he tried to script his segments. He had about eight pages, front and back. It looked like that movie Seven with all the notes yeah. and the little words. Yeah. And he was paralyzed by the script, and he was looking down. I was like, that won't work. This isn't scripted, but if you think it is, um, thank you, I guess. But no, Todd is Todd, and Todd has no idea what I'm going to address or not address or the opportunity or mock headlines or limerick, any of that. That's more refreshing that way. Yes, we have fun. We've had more fun on this show, I think, since we got to L.A. for the Super Bowl. The last couple of months have been as much fun, I think, as we've had on this program. And we did lose McLovin, but Marvin has stepped in and done a wonderful job. But, you know, we just adjusted the show a little bit, but there's there's nothing scripted. Uh, you know, I'll do an above the noise, and that's scripted, but that's 60 seconds of the show. That's, that's it, but that was written last night or early this morning. But... Uh, 
Yeah, Seton got a little fired up there with uh, social media and the show being scripted. Well, I like moderate this Facebook group. Oh, that's right. And so I see a lot of comments and I, I try to let people, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't take down every negative thing. You know what I mean? Some things that I feel like are really out of line, I'll take down or something like that. But I try to let people just speak yeah. and stay out of it. Yeah. But occasionally, as you guys know, something can get under my skin. That's true. That's true. And so I just felt like I needed to address something. I had never heard that before. In fact, I've heard the opposite where they go, you should probably script more of that show. <laughs> you guys might want to think this out a little more. Yeah. yeah. How, about, how about preparing a little bit more? Yeah, Paul. Dan, I also agree that the past three months have been the best time of my career. And I want to thank you personally, Dan Patrick Emmy winner, for making it a glorious Sound like you time. Were Sorry. I was on the back page. That, time. That, that's a run on sentence. You got to put a couple of commas It was on the back of the page. Time. Back to you, Dan. But see, that was scripted oh. that Paulie was going to read something. So even then. You told me to do that yesterday. Yes, that was fake. That was fake. All right, welcome to the program. Uh, already in progress. I already know how all of this ends because I've written it. Poorly for us. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. No, poorly, poorly for Fritzy because oh, yes. Fritzy gets a pie today. I do. Yeah, lost his uh, Broncos bet. Oh, who else is applauding? Marvin is because he took two pies earlier this week. And Marvin is doing the honors. Marvin is uh, with his small hands. Now, you may have to use both hands on the pie. Maybe a third hand. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Seaton. I've already gotten uh, from someone named Dylan on <laughs> Twitter, which is very funny. This is exactly the script that someone who didn't want us to think the show was scripted would write. Well said. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> but did we script Dylan saying this Duh! so we could include him in this? Right. There's no Dylan. We just made that up. Yeah, Paul. Can we get a new category, best scripted TV series, and Ooh, get him another chance for an Emmy? I like it. Maybe we got a chance. I we're like it. All right. Uh, this pull- is more of a drama than it is a live comedy show, sports show. You got a poll question? That was not scripted, by the way. <laughs> you went off script right there, Steve. Yeah. All right. What right. do you have? Uh, should we script this show? Yes, no. <laughs> um, no. Here's, a, here's a one that only Paul could probably come up with because it's very... Um, uh, Gonzaga is a great basketball program, a nice basketball program. Mm. Big difference between the two. Yeah, yeah, Pauling. You can't be a great basketball program without a title. Now, you could throw back in my face, Dan Marino was a great quarterback, yes. and no one's going to argue that. But can Gonzaga be considered a, a powerhouse? But could I say the Dolphins are a great franchise? They had titles in the 70s. Yes. If Gonzaga's had nothing. Yeah. No offense. You know, they've been they've been fantastic but, to but, watch. But how long in between championships? Like when do you become great and how long do you become great or stay great if you don't win championships? Oh, the back row is fired. Yes, Seaton. Like UCLA. Yes. Are they currently great or nice? But they won one with Ed O'Bannon. That's a while ago. That was a while back. <laughs> okay. They're still kind of dining out on Toby Bailey. Great call. Thank you. Earl Watson. Yeah. Wasn't it? Uh, yes, Todd. Can we start the poll question with, given the conference they're in, dot, 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 mm-hmm. the whole mid-major thing that they hate so much? Do you have something to say? I th- I like that poll question because there is definitely an argument to be made with that well, cutting what down do you, the nets. What, you got to pick. I, th- I would go nice over great. A nice program. Yeah. I would say very nice, but that's not one of the choices. They're a relevant program. 
that's somewhere between nice and great. Because greatness comes with championships. Yes, Eden. If you listen to that soundbite that you played earlier today with Mark Few. Yeah. And he's saying, hey, everybody's taking their best shot at us. And I'm just happy that these guys. That's a big time program comment, not an underdog nice program comment. Yeah, I hate when I hear that. Like, you should take it as a compliment. Yes, they gear up for you. They do that for Duke every year. Uh, You know, they're going to do that for Tom Brady this year. And you gear up against the best. Yeah, Marv. Uh, Here's my thing. So will Mark Few ever, ever, ever be on the hot seat at Gonzaga? No. So they're relevant. They're not a great program because a great program would suggest that a couple losing seasons or a couple of high seeds and you don't win it all. There's some pressure. Okay. Is is uh, John Calipari on the hot seat? Wouldn't he be more so on the hot seat? Kind of hot seatish right ish. now. Yes, hot seatish. Yes, Polish. So in the last two decades, what resume would you want? Gonzaga relevant every year, going to the tournament, high seed, or Florida, who won two national titles, oh six, oh seven, and hasn't really done much before mm. or after. But that little run they had with Noah and Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan. I would rather be Gonzaga. I want to be relevant every year. But Florida's got back-to-back. Billy Donovan's I got know. Him. I know. But you have to remind people. Now, you might go Gonzaga and people go, yeah, they lost again. No. Oh, they didn't win the championship again. Yes. Yes, Tom. But to get past the whole, oh, but you're in that conference. That's why you're 31-1 and one or 32-0 and 0 every year. It's like play some you know, real teams. The only way to get past that is to go all the way, win six straight games, and cut down those nets at least one time. All right. Back to you in the studio. All right. Thank you, Tom. Well, then maybe they, they should join the Pac, uh, Pac-12. Maybe they should. All right. We're yes. sort of making a pro-rel argument right now. Yeah. You need to be promoted up into the big boys or you need to be relegated down into the other guys. Yeah, it's a relevant program. Um, you know, when you go all in and you get the number one pick and Chet Holmgren or the number one recruit and he comes in, um, he had a rough night. I didn't think the officials were fair to him on a couple of those fouls that were called. But, you know, you got to show up in the first half. But I, what I saw was Arkansas was going to be more physical. They took it to... Gonzaga and Chad Holmgren paid the price and and look you know he's a project he's got potential but this is what basketball is now you can be one and done and not be anywhere near a finished product and he might not be for three or four years and he might not be even when he gets into the NBA and is there for three or four years there's a lot of potential there but he didn't show up in the first half and then you get into foul trouble and Arkansas Arkansas got every loose ball. I love watching that. If, if it's a 50-50, who's getting the ball? And Arkansas got the ball almost 90% of the time. And I thought that that was a really strong statement. Rebounds, they weren't afraid. A couple of big blocks in there. And uh, you send Gonzaga packing. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll get to phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Fritzy has Gonzaga mock headlines. I'm also bitter because I had the Zags winning it all over Arizona. So, you know, that's why maybe I'm taking my shots at how they should be considered a nice program instead of a great program. All right. But there is some anger there. Okay. All right. Especially seeing all those balls going to the other team and not the Zags. All right. We'll take a break. It's been uh, a great month in the NFL. The NFL is undefeated. Who had the best month? 
And who got the better end of the Kansas City-Miami trade with Tyreek Hill? I did love Tyreek Hill's honesty as to why he wanted to go to the Dolphins. We'll have that for you coming up next here. And our good buddy Ross Tucker will stop by. Former Raider GM Mike Mayock. A lot to talk to him about. We're back after this on the scripted Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. I was curious what Tyreek Hill would say, the reason why he decided to uh, leave Kansas City, because Kansas City was going to make him a nice offer. I don't think he ever wanted to go to the Jets, but uh, Tyreek Hill was asked why he chose the Miami Dolphins, and he had this to say. It's tough, man, but if somebody comes to you with a lot of money, <laughs> it, it, it changes. <laughs> it changes. The feelings start to change a little bit. Okay. Uh, now, you said he was just kidding. You wasn't kidding. It's all about the money. All right, it was an offer he couldn't turn down. But I wonder who got the better end of this deal. If you just said right now who got the better end of the deal, I do like what Kansas City did because I think they had to do that. I don't want to tie that kind of money up with a guy I might lose the following year. You get all those draft picks. Now, are they going to be as explosive? Mike Mayock, the former Raider GM, will join us a little bit later on to talk about this. But right now, Ross Tucker, CBS Westwood One color analyst, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. And you can follow him on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Ross, good morning. Let's start with the the trade. And we probably have to wait a couple of years, I guess, to assess this. But uh, on face value, what part of the trade do you like or not like? Well, it's it's funny, Dan, because I I don't like it in the near term for the Chiefs, but... They're taking a longer time horizon. Look at this thing, right? They're not just looking at this year or the year after. They know they have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback for the next 10 years. And I think they're trying to make sure that they have a chance to play in more conference championship games, get to more Super Bowls while they have Mahomes. You know, he signed a big contract, but it's actually going to end up being pretty affordable. It's not as much money and as bad against the cap as people think. Travis Kelsey, I think, is very underpaid. I'm a little surprised he signed the contract he did a year ago, that extension. And I think the Chiefs kind of thought that Tyreek Hill would go along with it, right? Mahomes didn't get every penny he could have. Kelsey didn't get every penny he could have. Tyreek Hill didn't get the memo. Tyreek Hill didn't care. Um, he absolutely went for the most money and going to South Florida and more power to him. That's his prerogative. But I don't love it for the Chiefs' chances of winning the Super Bowl in 2022. I do appreciate that Andy Reid and Brett Veach realize it's not all about 2022. Meanwhile, Dan, for the Dolphins, it kind of is a lot about 2022, yeah. right? Yeah. This is Tua's third year. They have to make a decision on his fifth-year option after this season. They still have two first-round picks next year. So the Dolphins need to know if two is the guy or not at the end of this year. If he is and they pick up the fifth-year option, maybe they extend him, whatever. If he's not, they decline the option, 
and very possibly draft another quarterback next year with one of those two first-round picks. I think the biggest football reason why the Dolphins got Tyreek Hill is to basically end Teron Armstead. They get the left tackle, Dan. They get maybe the number one receiver. No excuses. This is a no-excuse season for Tua. The Dolphins want to have a definitive answer at the end of 2022 on their quarterback. More likely to get exposed, and exposed is a tricky word to use, Patrick Mahomes or Tyreek Hill? Probably Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is still going to put up 30 points a game. I think he's still going to have a big year. I don't know that Tyreek Hill with Tua Tungavailoa is going to get as many of the deep balls as he got. I think one of the reasons why the Dolphins wanted Tyreek Hill is because they know that Tua Tungavailoa doesn't really produce that many explosive plays. He's not Mahomes, Dan. Yeah, but Tyreek Hill turns those – Tyreek turns those in to big plays. So a 10-yard in, and he can take it to the house. So he does make – he's going to make Tua better from the standpoint of, you're not going to throw it 60 yards, but I'm going to take it 60 yards. Right, and that's where they got him. If you look at it, though – Tyreek Hill caught more deep balls from Mahomes than people. I mean, a lot of those were deeper throws down the field, and he blew past people. The best thing Tyreek Hill has going for him is Mike McDaniel, the new head coach in Miami. He knows better than anybody in the NFL, he and Kyle Shanahan, how to get the ball to their run-after-catch guys in stride so they can run after the catch. I mean, you look at Debo Samuel, even at times, Ayuk, they do an unbelievable job in San Francisco of getting the ball to those guys on the move with some space, and then they know what to do with it. That's the thing that gives Tyreek Hill a chance to still be super productive is I think McDaniel's going to be able to give him the ball a lot on some of those slants. We had Chris Sims on yesterday, and I said, who do you like better, Tyreek Hill or – uh, Devonte Adams, you know who he picked? Probably Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I think I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, what do you make of it? Let that? me check my script, Dan. Yeah. I, I, know, I know your shows. Are yeah, I sent you. Uh, come on, let me see what I'm supposed I to say. I said you're now. supposed to slam the table. It says on the script. Uh, I'm supposed to say no. I did not see who Chris Sims picked. Dan, can you tell me? He picked Tyreek Hill. <laughs> now you slam the that- table. You. You slam. You the, didn't like it. No, you slam the table. That's what oh, it says on the script. Yeah, I disagree with that, that Dan. I disagree with. And then Chris you call Sims. out Chris Sims, Sims and you call him a pretty boy. That's what the script says. <laughs> you know, in in all sincerity, I don't think he's a better receiver than Devonte Adams. I think he provides more value for a team than Devontae Adams. And I'm going to try to explain that, right? right. Devontae Adams is the best route runner in the NFL. I think he's incredible. Tyree Kill is someone that dictates defensive coverage every play. Adams does a little bit, but Adams is not a guy that's going to take it to the house all the time. Not a guy that puts that much fear in – cornerbacks don't like going against Devontae Adams because he makes them look bad and he can get a nice 15-yard gain, whatever. Tyreek Hill just embarrasses people. I mean, he's the fastest – Dan, I I, I mean, I'm, I'm 43 years old. I was in the NFL since 2001. 
He's the fastest football player I've ever seen. And I'm not sure who's close. It's breathtaking how fast he is compared to NFL defensive backs. Yeah, I was wondering, when you see somebody in person, I always bring up this story. When I was at the Olympics in London, and I got to see Usain Bolt in person, oh, it's, it's, it's completely different than watching him on TV. Because you're watching, you know, TV stays focused on him. When you're watching, it's like, it's like CGI. You're going, you're just moving down the track. Watching Tyreek Hill in person, it's... It just is night and day difference than watching on TV. By the way, Dan, I, I got a Usain Bolt take for you. Are you ready? Yeah. I think he's the most impressive athlete of all time. And here's why I say that, okay? Any NFL guy, Tom Brady, whatever, that's great. But there's a million kids that play high school football in like the whole world, right? In America, and I'm sure there's some in the UK or whatever. And then soccer, there's a lot of people that play soccer. Michael Phelps, crazy impressive. But a lot of people don't try to be swimmers. Everybody in the whole world, billions of people, (laughs) has run at some point. Like, you know if you're fast or not. At some point, you had to run. Africa, Asia, you run. So you know if you're fast or not. Of every single human being in the world, all of whom knows if they're fast or not, Usain Bolt is still that much faster than every other human being. That, to me, is by far the most impressive physical feat. Forget LeBron, Michael Jordan. I mean, that's all that's great. But for Usain Bolt to be that much faster than every other human being on the entire planet is crazy. Paulie scripted that. You read it quite well. And uh, (laughs) um, if everybody in the history of mankind lined up at its starting line for 100 meters, Usain Bolt wins. Yes, by a decent amount. I mean, I need a big track to get everybody in the history of mankind to run the 100-meter dash. But imagine that. Is, is there, is there any, anything else where you go, that guy will be the number one guy? So the fastest person who's ever walked the earth, is there any other category where you go, if you lined up everybody... Uh, this person's going to be, you know, heads above the rest with everybody in the history of mankind. No, because the thing is, like any other sport you talk about, a lot of people have never played basketball. A lot of people have never played baseball. Like, and all that's impressive. But literally every human being that's ever lived, he's that much faster. It's hard to believe, actually, right? Like there's billions of people with a B, billions. (laughs) And when you watch him at the Olympics, Dan, and you were there, he blows away. He blows away the nine other fastest dudes. <laughs> All right. Before I let you go, which team had the best month? Dolphins, Broncos, Buccaneers, Browns, Raiders, other. Which team had the best month? Give them to me again. Dolphins, Broncos, Buccaneers, Browns, who were introducing Deshaun Watson today, Raiders, or other Denver Broncos. I'm going to, I'm going to say Denver Broncos. I'll tell you why they had no quarterback for what was it? Six years, seven years. And 
They're going to have Russell Wilson more than likely. Oh, by the way, they're going to have to pay him yeah. so much money next year. It's not even funny. I know. I like but, how people go, we got Russ. I go, you still got to pay him about $50 million a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. He sees the Deshaun Watson contract. He sees the Aaron Rodgers deal. Yep. I, the Broncos screwed that up, by the way. They should have gotten him signed when they traded him, like Devontae Adams, like Tyreek Hill. But that's a story for another day. But it's it's the Broncos. Look, it's huge for the Bucks franchise that Brady's back. I get that, right? But it's only going to be a year or two, we think. The Broncos should have Russell Wilson for the next decade. I mean, and I still believe he's a top 10 quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if we think he's still a top five quarterback. I think he played better last year than people realize to go from not having a top 20 quarterback for a good six, seven years in Denver to having a probable top five guy for a decade uh, is a huge, huge swing. I guess you could say the same about Cleveland, but I, I, can't, I can't equate those two. I, I can't say what Cleveland did, especially with that. I, I just can't say that that's as good as what – Denver did because to me, there's still a decent amount of unknown with the Deshaun Watson situation. Have a great weekend. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for following the script today, Ross. Thank you for having me, Dan. You have a great weekend also. (laughs) That's Ross Tucker, CBS (laughs) Westwood One color analyst, host of the Ross Tucker football podcast. You can follow him on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's Mike Mayock. He's the former Raider GM and was a longtime NFL analyst, draft analyst for uh, NFL Network, and uh, got fired this year. Raiders bow out in the playoffs in Cincinnati, and and, uh, they had four chances inside the, what, 10-yard line and uh, couldn't capitalize, and the Bengals, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl. Mike Mayock joining us on the program. I thought about you with these pro days, and we've talked before about a pro day, but I'm just curious, as a GM or former GM and draft analyst, what should we be looking for with these pro days, especially with these quarterbacks? Yeah, I think my whole life of pro days, and that goes back almost 20 years now, um, when you mention quarterbacks, Dan, I I really – it's less about – uh, the accuracy. It's less about all the things you think it would be about. And for more, it's about just personally seeing the ball pop out of a quarterback's hands. When you watch tape, it's hard sometimes to, to, to look at two or three quarterbacks together and say, who's got more pop, more arm power, more strength, unless it's a Josh Allen, which just jumps off the screen. 
Okay. So when you go to a pro day, I'm looking at feet up. I want to see their footwork. A lot of these guys have never been under center and being under center doesn't matter as much anymore because the NFL's in, in gun most of the time now anyway, but still, you know, you go back to Bill Walsh, it's all about footwork with quarterbacks. So do they have natural feet? How quick are their feet? How quick's the release? Um, you know, there, there's a, the quarterback, uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. When you watch his tape, it screams quickness from the bot, from the feet up. He's got arm quickness. He's got foot quickness. He's got twitch. He's got accuracy. I want to see that in person. Malik Willis, I watched that pro day on television the other day, and I, I agree with Daniel Jeremiah. The first thing that caught me, and I saw it on tape, but I wanted to see more of it, he wore shorts, right? And you could see how powerful his lower body was. Like, it, you think you see that on tape, but his lower body, and to me, I don't know if you how much of a baseball guy you are, but I used to love Nolan Ryan. Right. When I was a kid, I used to love what and and I did some pitching and I played a lot of I played college baseball and it was always about the ground up. And with a quarterback, it's all a lot. Of, it's about the ground up. Malik Willis's lower body. I mean, you just sit there and go, wow, that reinforces everything I saw on tape. It confirms it. So you look for I really went from a quarterback. I want to see the pop from a defensive end or a corner. I want to see him come out a defensive end. I want to see his explosion coming out of a stance from a corner, change of direction. You can see things live when you're five yards away from the kid that you can't really see on tape. You know, what stood out for me watching Willis was his personality. Yeah. And I don't know how important that is looking at it as a scout, an analyst or a GM, but man, that stuff is contagious. And it looked like he loved playing football. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, Mike. I don't think you are, Dan. And, and I think at that position, and I think that's the hardest position in all of sports, but I think one of the things you have to have is leadership, okay? And natural leadership, stuff that you're not faking. Like I'll give you an example. Uh, Marcus Mariota, got to know him in the last couple of years. Really cool because Marcus is not that outgoing, screaming, yelling. He's a quiet individual, but he's got confidence. He's got quiet swag. And when you get in the game, you see some of that fire come out. There's different kinds of leadership. I think what you saw with Malik Willis was just a natural extrovert. And that's really cool. What I'd want to know, again, I wasn't there. I was watching it on TV with you, and I've never met him. What I'd want to do is get in a room with him and spend some time with them and see how that translates one-on-one. -on -one. Talk to the people that know him best. It certainly looks like he's a leader. I love the fact, did you see the tape or the video from the senior bowl when he was handing out clothes yeah. to, a, to a homeless guy, right? So all the stuff, all the intangibles that are so important in that position, I'd want to know more about and confirm because it certainly looks like he checks all those boxes. And to me, that elevates him a little bit. But I wonder, and, you know, it's the eye of the beholder that somebody loves something that somebody else is going to say, I'm not going to take him that high. It feels like Detroit could go in at number two at Malik Willis. Should they? Yeah, I think the old school argument there, and, and it's intriguing, is – Look at it this way. How many franchise quarterbacks are in the NFL today? Seven or eight, maybe. Okay. They can put put a team on their back and go win a Super Bowl. Yeah. 
And maybe there's another five, six, seven that you can win a Super Bowl with. Okay. That's not even half the league when you add it up. So if you don't have one of those guys, you don't have a chance, right? That's the preface. I used to have conversations with coaches all the time and scouts about, look, if, if you value Malik Willis on your board, if he's the 14th best player on the board, you technically should have no business taking him at two. However, if you really believe he's the guy, yeah. what does it matter where you took him? Yeah. Well, I wonder about this, that when does that quarterback get to the point where you go, this is who he's going to be? Is it second, third year, fourth year, fifth year? Because I'm trying to figure out Tua, trying to figure out Baker Mayfield, yeah. that yep. like what happens next with those two guys? How would you assess that of, you know, Baker doesn't have a job and Tua, you know, just got Tyreek. So uh, he better be great this year. But right, is this right. the year for uh, for Tua? It's, it's a great question. Um, what I learned over the last few years is that um, fit really matters. Okay. Uh, and by definition, if you're a top five draft pick, you're typically going to a poor football team. You know, so fit matters. Who's your offense coordinator? Who's your quarterback coach? Do you fit with what they're doing? What are they complimenting you with? What are they putting around you? Can you run the football? What's your offensive line look like? There's so many different things that go into that. And that's why with young quarterbacks, I, I like to look at it like, okay, when they're ready to play, and they're all different. Like I remember uh, Carson Wentz, when he came out, North Dakota State, all that kind of stuff. People were saying to me when I was the NFL Network's draft guy, you know, well, can he start week one? And I said, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. When he's ready to start, he will, whether it's week one, week eight, or year two. Okay? But you can't do to Carson Wentz or any talented young quarterback what happened to Joey Harrington or Derek Carr's brother. You can't just throw him in there and let him get the, the crap beat out of him for two or three years. That does, that's counterintuitive. So that's a long way of saying that I think every quarterback's a little bit differently, di different. They're ready at different levels, both physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, Tua, I think at this point, now you're going to know, you, you know, what is it, year three for Tua? You're going to know this year whether or not he can be in that first or second group of quarterbacks and baker mayfield you know two years ago they were a playoff team you know he played pretty well i think there was a lot of stuff going on in that building this year um and obviously they want him out of the building and he feels the same way so my, my mind on baker is kind of open if, it, it, it's a different kind of fit if he gets in the right building i think he can play Talking to Mike Mayock, the former Raider GM, former NFL Network draft analyst. Which side of the Tyreek Hill trade do you like, Kansas City or Miami? <laughs> I, I find it so intriguing on so many different levels, Dan. And, um, you know, as a former AFC West general manager <laughs> who's, who's tried to chase <laughs> Tyreek and Kansas City for the last three years. Yeah. I mean, these sons of guns have won six consecutive divisions and, and they've been in the AFC championship game four years in a row. And so the question you ask yourself, or at least I do when I saw the trade is right away, I was like, does that make them less dynamic on offense? And it probably does. 
Now, Miko Hardman is within a whisper of being just as explosive as Tyreek. They signed Juju. They signed Valdez Scantling. I trust Andy Reid. I trust Patrick Mahomes. So will they be a little less explosive? Probably. But the rest of the AFC West, which is fascinating with that arms race, they're, they're all going, hey, there's an opening here. There's a little bit of an opening here, and, and they've all geared up. Now, the Miami side of it is, you know, they drafted that kid last year, Waddle. And you want to talk about explosive? Yeah. That son of a gun is explosive. So that goes back to what I said a minute ago about Tua is that, you know, he's got explosive weapons. Um, if their offensive line can play at a level they need them to, I think – and I mean that they, they can be a really good footballer. So I'm not I, I think both sides of this thing is intriguing. When people come up and ask, why are you not the Raider GM any longer? How do you answer that? I liked how you warmed up before you, you yes. warmed me up yes, before I you did. got into that one. Yes, that I good. did. Yes. That was good. Yeah. That was a veteran move. Yes. Um, how do I re- say that again? How do I respond? Why are you no longer the Raiders oh. GM? I, I think um, when I got there, there were a four and twelve team, and then we went seven and nine, eight and eight, and ten and seven, and we were on the nine yard line in the playoffs with thirty five seconds left, with four shots to tie Cincinnati, who went to the Super Bowl, which kind of shows you how close the NFL is, right? Um, why am I not? That? I think at the end of the day, Dan, it's it's all about the owner has final say. And I think uh, Mark Davis has a good heart. Uh, I like Mark Davis personally. And at the end of the day, he decided that me and Rich Passaccia didn't get it done at the level he wanted or that he felt like uh, a couple other guys could get it done at a higher level going forward. And I have to respect that because he's the boss. But if you beat Cincinnati... Are you still the GM? I don't know the answer to that. I yeah. mean, you'd have to get Mark. Last time you talked to John Gruden? Uh, we text back and forth occasionally, and uh, he called me after I got fired. So what's the future? Uh, I'm kind of excited. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy, and, and it's good to be excited. Um, and I've never been afraid of a challenge. So I'm kind of, I'm I watch tape every morning. Uh, the challenge for me, Dan, is that, you know, if I watch tape from seven to 10, um, go get a workout for an hour and a half, it's noon. And now I got nothing to do. And I'm not used to that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like me, Mike, I'm done at noon and then I got nothing to do. (laughs) I'm not used to that. And I'm not, you know, going a hundred miles an hour back to the speed limit is hard. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep the balls up in the air. I've had some opportunities to go to NFL teams. Um, I've had some of my television people call me. Um, I kind of look at this, Dan, like at age 63, I know me and I need to be around football. But whether it's an NFL team, whether it's doing television, or in all honesty, I, I could go coach the defensive backs at Haverford School right down the street and be really happy. So I, I'm just trying to keep it all up in the air. And when the right opportunity comes, I think I'll know. Can we have your uh, Raiders gear? <laughs> you know what I did with it? You, you'll get a kick out of this. I took about 90% of it uh, before we left Vegas. And I drove down to the local fire station. 
and I knocked on the door. I didn't know anybody. I just knocked on the door and this, this fireman answered the door. And I said, listen, it might sound silly, but I just got fired as the Raiders GM. <laughs> and I, I had two huge bags with me, like, like trash bags. I said, I got all this brand new gear. And I think some of you guys might like it and, or you can give it to the community, but I don't need it anymore. And the guy, the guy looked at me like I was crazy. He, he said, well, I think you, you, you better, better meet, meet the chief. chief. He, he took, took me into the chief, and I'm dragging two big bags of crap into the chief. <laughs> That's what I do with my Raider gear. Good to talk to you. Good luck. Stay in touch, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate you, Dan. Thank you.